guys, Derek here from Bomb Socks, and welcome to the Bomb Bites podcast. Hey, if you're new to Bomb Bites, it's a service from our company, Bomb Socks, to help be a resource to use. You're studying along with the Come Follow Me curriculum for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Hope you enjoy today's episode. So this week we've got some of the chapters of 1 Samuel that I think are pretty relevant to our lives. Some great stories and some great principles. And I want to start off with one that's not actually in the Come Follow Me for this week, but it's one of the ones that I really love. And I think it kind of sets up where we're going for this week. Um, I want to ask you, first of all, what is the best hymn out there that is not actually in our hymn book? Now, I know a lot of you... If you've been raised with the LDS hymns, and this one isn't even, you know, originating with our church, the song is called Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. It's a fantastic song. Uh, I'd love to see it back in our hymn book someday. But just the words to this song, it's just beautiful. It just speaks to the soul, and it kind of shows kind of what we deal with on a daily basis. Well, to set up one of the lines in this hymn, there's actually a line that says, Here I raise my Ebenezer. Okay, now let me back out for a minute here, and I want to give you some context with about chapters 4 to 6 of 1 Samuel. Now I'm just going to put this up here, and you can almost treat it melodrama style if you want to. But chapter 4, you've got after the slaughter of 4,000 of their force by the Philistines. Now you can boo every single time you hear the Philistines. They are very much a thorn in the side of the Israelites all through this time period. In fact, we're going to meet one of the biggest Philistines later on this week. You know him well. The Israelites fetched the Ark of the Covenant from Shiloh. Now, the Ark was viewed as a tangible symbol of the presence of Jehovah among them. They expected that the nearness of the Ark would result in their military success and deliverance as it had done in the past. They'd seen that happen. However, the Israelites did not reckon the fact that they had corrupted themselves with the worship of idols. They struggled with that. We've talked about that many times. Specifically, the fertility god and goddess of Baal or Baal and Ashtaroth. These are ones that they struggled with all the time and all the abominable practices associated with them. Under that circumstance, the expectation of protection from the ark thus amounted to blasphemy. So with vain confidence, the Israelites foreshouted, initially causing the Philistine army to fear, but the Philistines rallied, battled the Israelites, and this time slaying 30,000 of their soldiers and then capturing the ark. Now you get into chapter 5 and 6. There's kind of a weird story. So the Philistines placed the ark in the temple of their god Dagon, which is part man and part fish. In fact, here's a picture. The picture is kind of crazy. Subsequently, this false idol repeatedly fell on its face and was eventually mutilated. Moreover, God cursed the Philistines in the city with a severe plague. So what happened is they attributed this misfortune to the presence of the ark. The superstitious Philistines, which that's important to know, they sent the ark back to the Israelites. So that's a little bit of a setup of where we're going. So now you're going back to the come thou fount of every blessing. Here's this verse that many of you are familiar with. Here I raise my Ebenezer hither by thy help I've come and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, interpose his precious blood. And then you've got some of the coolest lines. Prone to wander, oh Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Israel knew how to do that really well, and we do as well. 
here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. So what you've got is you've got a group of individuals who are now humble and recognize how much they need God. Well, now you get to chapter 7 of 1 Samuel, about verses 3 to 13. I want to go over these verses with you. So you start in verse 3 where it says, And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel, saying, if ye do return unto the Lord your God with all of your hearts, returning there, meaning repenting, and then put away the strange gods of Ashtaroth among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he'll deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Samuel just gives them a nice little formula. Look, He's like, look, just stop serving your gods. Will you just serve God? Will you serve Jehovah only? And you'll find yourself absolutely taken over the Philistines. You got this. The children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord daily. And Samuel said, gather all to Mizpah and I will pray for you unto the Lord. Now that's where they had a horrible defeat previously in these chapters. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. When the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. They were like, ha, we had a battle here before. We're going to take you out again. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said unto Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb, offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. I always love that word. It just means totally confused. And they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them. And they came near Bethkar. Verse 12, Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Shen, another place where they had had a horrible battle and a defeat, and called the name of it, here it is, Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Now, Ebenezer, if you click on the footnote, the footnote says it is the stone of help. And then you go to verse 13. So the Philistines were subdued and they came no more against the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. Okay, so we back out of that for a second here. What just happened here is Samuel takes this monument, if you will, and he puts up this stone of help as a reminder of the Lord's help in their lives. So as I was thinking about this, what is an Ebenezer, meaning a stone of help that always helps you when trouble and difficulties arise in your life? Now, as I was studying this out a little bit, I came across a church news article back about uh, 2014 or so, and it had the headline, Are There Ebenezers in Our Lives? And it talks about this story that we just went through right here. And then it says something kind of cool here in this article. It says, are there messages we can draw from this? As suggested, in Robinson's hymn, which is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing, are there Ebenezers in our lives? One such Ebenezer might be a personal and collective pattern of conduct whereby we serve the Lord continually, striving always to obey his commandments and promptly repenting when we fall short. The basic observances of our worship, prayer, scripture study, Sabbath day observance, serving God and our fellow beings strengthen us to avoid the temptation to slip into placing before the one true God what can turn into the idols of our day. The covenants we make with God might be 
be regarded as Ebenezer's in our lives. So also might be our partaking of the sacrament. The ordinances of the temple could be considered our Ebenezer's, symbolizing our highest aspirations of glory, exaltation, and eternal lives. The temples themselves, structures of beauty and holiness, can be for us more tangible Ebenezer's, reminding us of our commitment to serve and trust God. Now, I've had an opportunity to go back through church history and hit some of these early church history sites. If you were to go, for example, to Joseph Smith's birthplace, you will see a monument that's raised. It's like an Ebenezer. You go to the Three Witnesses. In Richmond, Missouri, there's a monument there. You go to other places. Salt Lake City, you got this is the place monument right there. These are Ebenezers when I look at them. So when you go to these various places and you look around and you see these monuments, I look at them as Ebenezers, these stones of help that remind us that as we turn to God and we trust in Him, He's going to help us out. I love that idea. And so the next time you see a monument, be reminded of this Ebenezer that's a nice reminder of the help of the Lord. If you'd like to check out our video that goes with today's podcast, you can find us on YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook by simply searching Bomb Socks. That's B-O-M-S-O-C-K-S. And be sure to check out our amazingly comfortable gospel-themed socks at bombsocks.com. Thanks for listening, and hope you'll join us again for more episodes of Bomb Bites. Godspeed, and have a great day.